Super Talk Mississippi media production. Whether you're looking to start a career with no student loans or change careers to land one of the happiest jobs in the world, yep, that's construction, Build Mississippi can help. Visit buildmississippi.com to learn why a career in the trades deserves another look. buildmississippi.com. Your future is waiting. What's up on a Monday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey, my co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday, March 16th, which Hey Dad tells me is some kind of WWE holiday involving a bald man. Uh, something. About yeah, Austin I've seen a lot of gifts and stuff on Twitter. I don't know what they mean, though. But we are still alive. We still have a show to do. We told you we'd do so to three podcasts a week. Today we have Maddie Lee on. She's the Thunder beat writer for the Oklahoman. She covered Ole Miss for a hot second and then quickly moved on to bigger and, and better things. But she was at a... She that was, was like she, the fastest CL turnover ever. Oh, she was there for like eight weeks. And then <laughs> who could blame her? She got an NBA job. Like, are you kidding? And then... Uh, um, but anyway, we had her on. I was just... I, I wanted to get her vantage point just from, I mean, she was kind of at ground zero of this whole thing when the sports world stopped turning. She was covering the game between the Jazz and the Thunder on Wednesday night when it was like the doctor comes sprinting on the floor and it was found that Rudy Gobert has the coronavirus. So obviously, you know all that at this point. We're not going to spend half an hour rehashing how terrible this virus this virus is. And so uh, basically, I just wanted to, get, like I said, get her view on it. She had some interesting Thoughts on uh, Rudy Go because I asked about we've talked about this before. I don't want to spoil the interview, but I asked about Rudy Gobert and like I was basically hypothetical. I was like, hey, if this would happen in the Thunder locker room, how do you think this would play? Because obviously Donovan Mitchell, there's just I just saw an AP story uh, that said Donovan Mitchell took a while to cool off at Gobert, but she brought up an interesting point from the writer's perspective. And obviously everything that I had kind of assumed about Gobert was true to where he's kind of like the glue locker room guy. Like, you know, very personable. Guy. Most of the guys that are good locker room guys are good with the media, particularly in professional sports settings. It just kind of seems to work hand in hand. And she said for most of the jazz writers that she talked to, that they actually saw that as kind of a like act of solidarity. And at first I thought that was a little crazy, but it makes sense. She was like, look, like we're not allowed in the locker rooms anymore. Obviously, they were doing that deal where, like, they're way back and he's at a table. And he's basically just kind of making light of the situation. He shouldn't have done it. He should have taken it way more seriously. But it was kind of like, hey, like, because the idea of the, the, the no locker room access quarantine type deal was to protect the players from the media. So at the time, it was kind of like, hey, this is like he was kind of doing it to be like they took it as, hey, this is going to be OK. Like, I'm not scared of you guys. You're not lepers type of thing. And I just yeah, never really I thought about, about it that about way. It last night. And it, at first I thought, God, Rudy Gobert is such an asshole. And he still probably shouldn't have done that. But then he, he's not the only one that was joking around in locker rooms and stuff in the NBA. I promise you. I, I mean, it just – it is a very much wrong place, wrong time type deal. Yeah, it pretty much. I mean, he shouldn't have done it. Like, oh. but like it's one of those. But like we talked about last week, none of us were taking this that seriously at this time last week. We should have been. Obviously, we all know that now. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of one of those things. So anyway, we'll get to that interview in a minute. I don't want to spoil too much of it. But uh, first, we do have some business to cover. Uh, I don't know. We, we could do free NFL free agency uh, after 
Maddie's interview, I guess, if you want to. But I had a, I had a uh, interesting internet revelation over the weekend. It is now the internet where Twitter, the no, no place loves to tell other people what to do, like Twitter.com. And I, I've seen the new thing is shaming everyone that went out and did like went out to public places, went out to bars and restaurants and stuff like that over the weekend. And that somehow gives everyone that didn't moral high ground. Uh, I don't really, I mean, I'm not going to pick a side on this, but is it a great idea to be going out to crowded bars and restaurants? No, but is anyone going to read a tweet from some dude online with, you know, 4,000 retweets that says shame on you for going and change their behavior. No, cause your opinion doesn't matter and you're not that important. But anyway, I, I, I saw that a lot of that over the weekend. I don't know about you. No, I, I'm with you. I, this kind of thing has to come from, I, in a way, people like us, I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, we will have guys listening to the radio show this afternoon. And there are people that listen to the radio show that actually like take what we say into account. Uh, so don't shame them either. It's not like, oh, you're a dumbass for going to the bar this weekend. But it's more like, hey, man, the faster we can get through this, the faster we can get our lives in our sports and in some cases, sadly, our, our money back. So if the CDC is saying don't go out in public, then just don't. It, just don't do it. And if we all do what the medical science people are suggesting we do, the faster this ends and we can get back to normal life. Whether or not you think it's overblown in this case doesn't matter because if this is what is being asked of you by the medical people, just do it. Order takeout, buy gift cards, support your local businesses in any way you can, but don't, don't go to a crowded bar. Just, just stay home. Watch Netflix. I mean, I hear so many people all the time talk about how great a weekend in is well we'll just do that for a little while and it'll end faster and like you said that probably doesn't change any minds but there are some people out there especially on the radio show side of things when they hear that they may actually do it uh but being shamed and told they're an idiot isn't going to get you anywhere but i think if you approach it from that angle just hey man look the faster you do it the faster it gets over with we can get our lives back maybe that'll resonate with people to be honest, to be hand up guy, like uh, because I'm a, I'm a big man and will uh, uh, admit my flaws and mistakes. I so this weekend I traveled home on Saturday to go play golf with my dad for a couple of days. Um, you know, honestly, a golf course is actually not the worst place to be. Like particularly if it's just like as it me, him, and my brother. Like course wasn't crowded. You're not really in that close contact to people. I figured that was like you know a good way to spend the weekend. But on Saturday evening, I had a couple of buddies in Jackson that you know I don't see it too often and so i met them at a restaurant and we i sat there i didn't eat i'd ate beforehand but i sat there and had a drink or two or whatever and then they wanted to go to a a bar out and by the reservoir won't name names here but obviously if you live around there you can probably guess and i didn't really think anything about it at that point and so i went for a little bit and then i ended up leaving whatever is a decent night but there was a point where i was sitting there and i was looking around and the place was crowded and, you know, and I'd been reading stuff on the internet earlier that day. And I was like, honestly, this is probably not very like smart. Like this, this, this should probably stop. I, uh, I imagine uh, most of these places are going to be shut down via curfews and all of that eventually. And so that was probably the last like big social thing I'll be doing for a while. So I guess I am admitting I was part of the problem quickly, but also I think people are now starting to realize it because like 
this stuff was so new on Thursday and Friday and all that to most Americans. Like, obviously, we're kind of behind in terms of, like, how seriousness everyone takes it. But, uh, like, I kind of, like, lived through the experience of, like, realizing, oh, hey, this is probably not not the greatest idea. And then, of course, I think I think the tone this weekend when the normal work week finishes will be incredibly different because there are going to be shutdowns and stuff as well. Like, there's going to be government-mandated stuff. Yeah, that that's all seemingly coming i think i was surprised yesterday when the cdc released their um eight weeks of no groups more than 50 people suggestion i'm surprised that hasn't been uh mandated nationwide and that decision's so tough i mean people talk like it's so easy like even for the president to just be like hey everybody shut shit down just shut it all down because as we've talked about the economic impact that will have on so many people is is devastating and so it's not like you can just make that decision without a care in the world because there are ramifications that come from a national shutdown that are devastating in other ways besides getting a virus. It's it's not an easy decision. So I hate when I see, especially sports people, God, sports media this time during times like this uh, are insufferable. Just pretending that it's the easiest thing in the world to just shut the country down for a while as if that won't have chronic ramifications it's it's so easy to sit behind your computer and just tweet that oh we should shut everything down um i think that's a little narrow-minded but if that has to come that will be devastating for a while i don't know i don't even know what i'm saying i'm talking in circles i just know that it's almost like you're saying people with blue check marks on in media in particular very much self-important and view themselves as like I don't know. They're, it's almost like they view themselves as like guardians of social acceptability or what Did I don't you even see know what, what I'm Ralph saying. Ralph Russo there. tweeted today? Yeah. So uh, I, I was actually about to get to that. Hold that thought for two seconds, though, because you brought up the local businesses a second ago. Remind you, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Obviously, thinking of Greg uh, a ton during this time, he's awesome. I really appreciate him sponsoring the show. Uh, he is still 4-0 um, his last week in the XFL. We didn't have an XFL this week, but if we would have, I think he'd have gone 4-0 again. But if you live in Oxford or you happen to be around Oxford, that's where you are, and go see him. Um, I mean, you can pick up some steaks to go or whatever you want to throw on the grill. A great way to self-quarantine is to sit in your backyard with by yourself or with a couple people and grill out and just kind of chill. But go see him because he's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. They've got all kinds of specials, steaks, custom cuts, sausages. You can go get a, a, a bite to eat in there and then decide what you want for dinner or just take a bite to eat to go and then along with your dinner, whatever is uh, safely mandated by the CDC at this point. But please go see if these local businesses in Oxford are, are, are bracing for the worst and, and rightfully so and thinking about Greg during this time. But if you're around here and you want to go throw something on the grill, um, I'm actually probably doing that a couple times this week. Gonna go see Greg. We really, uh, we would really appreciate it. Um, the Ralph Russo tweet. Not to uh, cut you off there, Morty. That was just a decent segue. Yeah, I saw that this morning. So uh, Ralph Russo, sports writer for the Associated Press. I don't know Ralph. Never met him. I think he does college football for the AP. He but uh, just go ahead and set the stage. Yeah. So here's what Ralph Russo tweeted this morning. Quote, local sports radio is going to be a wasteland of misinformation and half-baked public health takes as dudes who spend most of their time explaining why it's important to establish the run and get pressure with four now regurgitate news reports they're not reading past craft three. Beware. Well, I guess that means this 
take slash monologue I've been working on about how the coronavirus really just proves how soft millennials are is going to have to be reworkshopped or just thrown in the trash altogether. So uh, yeah, I guess yeah, I'm going to sit out at least the first hour of today's show. Yes, because it's only local sports radio that has people that don't work hard at their job. It's only local sports radio and media uh, that is misinformed. That's right. It's just the local sports radio guys. Yeah, definitely not newspapers that are failing left and right. They've got it all figured out, Ralph. Yeah, uh, that, that's great. I mean, Associated Press, National Writer, like this fits all the bills of the classic crusty, like AP style, that type, like, you know, everything else, you know, newspaper lead guy who just thinks he's really self-important. I'm going to bet Ralph complains about the free food um, at press row sporting events, oh, just a hunch. Sure. So, I mean, and the thing is, every radio show I've listened to has all had the same sentiment. It's like, hey, you know, I'm just a sports guy. You know, just do this. You know, wash your hands. If they're telling you to avoid public, do what, what the smart people are asking you to do, and we can get through this together. By the way, let's go back to our bracket. Like, I have not heard, and I listen to radio shows all over the country. It's something that I do, I don't know, to kind of study film in a way, see what other people are doing, things that I like, that I don't like, whatever, you know, just trying to learn. And all of them for the last week that I've listened to, I have not heard one where I thought, wow, this guy's a dumbass and is promoting incorrect information. It's all been, I I don't know, just listen to the medical people, guys. Be safe, don't do anything crazy, and uh, we'll get through this together. Like, that's all that I've heard, which is a very normal, regular just like normal guy opinion to have about this thing and dumbasses like this AP reporter just want to blanket talk shit about an entire genre of hardworking media people. It's mind blowing, but whatever he can sit on his little ivory tower and uh, write columns for newspapers that nobody reads. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I just, it's, it's, it's not really surprising though. It's just, Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, he he released a follow-up tweet that said, you know what, I feel bad about this tweet now, got caught up in the show I was listening to, which was very much this, but it's certainly not everyone in that, so that implies not deleting it, but not a fair take. Okay, so, uh, I mean... <laughs> Why would you we're, not we're deleting it? Why not? We're, we're reacting in real time here. Uh, honestly, I kind of respect the no deleting it thing, just because it's like, I'm going to leave this bad th- take up here. But I mean... I mean, and when so when do you ever see genuine like, hey, I'm wrong, back off this opinion on the internet or just in sports media in general? So I guess you got to give them a little credit there, but just take a breather, Ralph. This is taking a toll on, on everyone. Although if you're sitting in the moment though, and you see, I mean, there's hacks in every uh, in every industry who don't do their job the right way, but I do think in sports radio are probably the most obnoxious version, just because you're hearing their voice as opposed to like. Read, reading their words, if that makes sense. Right, and it's an so opinion. So I could imagine, medium. I could, I could imagine sitting in a car and some guys telling you, "Wow, you know, the strand of this virus." Some, you know, some guy in Arkansas sports radio or something. I'm just making something up, telling you why this virus really isn't that big of a deal type of thing. That would piss me off. I could see that, but I, like he said, not a fair take. But I could see how he got caught up in it. Yeah, just the blanket, man. I uh, I'll defend sports radio to the death because I, I know, especially smaller market guys, um, it's tough. It's there's not a whole lot of money in it. You've got to really grind. I mean, a lot of these guys are 
doing their show and when they're not doing their show are having to sell their own show. And it, just to blanket talk about sports radio as if we are the lowest common denominator in media when um, uh, writers aren't worth a shit either in a lot of cases. That that rustles me so bad because I know, and I'm one of them, man. I, I spend far more time than I should thinking about and working on this radio show and to have somebody just blanket, oh, you're terrible uh, and you're you're field is terrible because I heard one guy say something I didn't like just that just kills me I would uh I would uh, I would probably offer up the notion that blog boys and aggregators are probably the lowest common denominator in this business because it just kind of eats uh eats the industry uh up from within but anyway that's either here or there I don't really know where we're going today why don't we just go to the Maddie Lee interview I promise this podcast is not going to be a corona deal for the next four weeks I just found uh, vantage point and view on things interesting because she was at ground zero. But the way I'm, I'm just going to hope like there'll probably be more guests on this show going forward because um, we're still going to try to entertain you. So please stick with us. But I think we can get some interesting people on here, tell some interesting stories, hang out. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. But as Borky mentioned, just like with the radio show, I'm kind of looking forward to figuring it out. So stick with us. I know y'all are going to be bored. I know you're going to want entertainment, and we will do our best to provide that. But let's go to the Maddie Lee interview, and then we'll do NFL free agency and anything but coronavirus stuff after that. So without further ado, here's Oklahoma City Thunder beat writer Maddie Lee on that night, how it's going to affect the NBA going forward, the Thunder, Rudy Gobert, and a whole lot all right, and we now welcome Maddie Lee back onto the podcast. She's now a recurring guest. More importantly, she's the Thunder beat writer for the Oklahoman. She covered Ole Miss for a brief while in, uh, I guess that was 2018, which seems like ages ago now. Maddie, how are you? I appreciate you coming back <laughs> on. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's obviously been a wild few days here in Oklahoma City, but um, we're all we're all doing fine and social distancing and, and all of that. Yeah, I uh, that's really, like, obviously that's why I wanted to get your perspective on things because you were, in terms of just, like, where this started at the sports world, you were kind of at ground zero. Uh, obviously, Jazz Thunder game last Wednesday night. Uh, probably one of the str- – I didn't see it live, but, of course, I quickly turned on SportsCenter and they kind of showed the pregame scene, and it was one of the more bizarre things I've seen in a while. So – I mean, I think most people at this point kind of know how it started, but just from your vantage point, you're in the arena. Take me from what I guess started as a normal pregame and just kind of your vantage point yeah. through the next hour or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it was an insane night. I was there from around five until about one a.m., um, which you wouldn't think that with no basketball going on that that would be the case, but that there was just so much to suss out and try to figure out what was going on, and, and the Jazz didn't leave until around then, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, it was a normal pregame up until the point when the players normally would have taken the floor, and they started to, uh, but then Donnie Strack, who is basically the head of the Thunder's medical department, um, he pulls the officials into a huddle and they're talking and Chris Paul comes over to ask what's happening and the officials quickly tell him and uh, Joe Ingles to get back to their benches and at that point you're like oh no like something really 
really bad has happened. It's like something weird is going on. And then the, the most weird part of the night was then we now know from Adam, Adam Silver talked on TNT and kind of spelled this all out that he got the word from the league office pretty much immediately before tip that Rudy Gobert had tested preliminary positive for COVID-19. And, and so he, he was in contact with, you know, the Thunder owner or chairman, Clay Bennett, and, and GM Sam Presti, and then some representatives from the Jazz. And during this time, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. The only thing we hear in the arena is that they're waiting for, for like, the go-ahead, essentially, to, to go on. I think the, the word that they actually used was confirmation. And we're like, what in the world? <laughs> like, who needs confirmation to start a game? And then they start going through what would have been, like, the, um, the timeout and halftime acts. And that was really bizarre because I think a lot of the fans didn't catch that something wrong was happening. And so Rumble and the, and the uh, Storm Chasers come out for a T-shirt toss and everyone's going crazy. It's like, this is the weirdest thing ever. Like, something ominous is happening and all these fans are just excited about a T-shirt. That was the weirdest part of the night. Yeah, so I can imagine like that was that was the strangest part. Is and then all of a sudden you have the PA guy like really not give. I, I understand why, but like he doesn't give me any details. From what I understand, he yeah. was basically like, game canceled. You're safe. Everyone file single file out. So from that point, like what are you guys doing? Because I know you're not like obviously you're not going into the locker room or anything like that. Like are you right. trying to figure out if you can talk to anyone? Like what's the next like thirty forty five minutes after that? Like what are you trying to do? Yeah. It was weird. Um, so, yeah, the wording was for unforeseen circumstances. And everyone actually filed out pretty orderly. Um, so that was good. And I think, obviously, the reason that they didn't announce it then was they didn't want to create a panic and have people, like, I don't know, making things worse as they tried to get out. But it it wasn't until, like, a half an hour later that we that uh, Sean Sharania was the first to report that Rudy Gobert tested positive. But we had heard, like, we were hearing whispers. Me and I, I have a beat partner, so we have two of us covering the Thunder. Um, so I was updating our live blog while trying to get what I could from, you know, some of the people around, uh, around the court. And he went back behind the scenes and tried to get, you know, as close as he could to the locker room, and that was shut down very quickly. Um, and then, yeah, it really, it was just like trying to contact anyone who possibly could know anything about the situation and could possibly get back to us. And then finally, uh, Shams was the one to break the news. And it was, I think all of us had, had heard rumblings of it and can, had kind of been hoping that that wasn't what it was, but. Uh, it was nice to get at least some clarity on the situation. Were you guys, obviously you're much different than fans, which they were just asking to leave. You guys are around the team almost every day. You know, you're in the arena. You have a much closer, more intimate interaction with players. Like, at that point, were you guys, like, obviously you weren't going to leave, but, like, had you wanted to leave, were they going to let the media leave at that point? Because I know the Jazz beat, obviously, I think got tested. What, what was the protocol yeah. for you guys' side? 
there wasn't any instruction to any of us for a very long time. So honestly, all of us, including the jazz writers, could have walked out at that point if we wanted to. Um, of course, we all stayed behind to continue reporting and all of that. But eventually, sort of the instructions, the jazz people got, the jazz writers got tested, and then the Thunder writers, we hadn't been in nearly, we hadn't been in close contact with the jazz players and so and then the thunder players got tested that night so it was kind of the message essentially was it wouldn't be a bad idea to quarantine yourself for 24 hours and you know be very aware of your temperature and and if you start showing any symptoms then that's the time to be concerned but yeah we, we could have all <laughs> walked out at that point are you guys really like so from a vantage point? Like I was at my house. And I just returned from a uh, trip from Dallas, but I was watching it on television, and that's really what sent ripple effects. Like you have, you know, originally they said the Kings Pelicans game that night was going to go on. Obviously, that didn't happen. You start hearing reports of all these college tournaments either going to play without fans, or you know, you could eventually see what was coming. They all got canceled the next morning. Obviously, you probably may not have fully foreseen the scope of it at that point but did you guys kind of realize that this was going to be kind of the ball that got everything else rolling because the ripple effect after that was quicker and more like more rapidly evolving than any sports story i've seen in a long time right it was so fast i think once the nba announced because the first word that the nba gave was they confirmed that a player had tested positive and then said immediately they were after after the games that night, they were suspending the season indefinitely. And so at that point, I think we realized how, to some extent, how serious it was. But you never know how other leagues are going to react to that. And it was such a, the reaction was from a player testing positive. So, you know, maybe another league would have been like, oh, well, we don't have any players testing positive. But it makes I mean, now that we've seen it all play out and we've seen how quickly the number of cases and pretty much all across the country are rising, it makes sense that it happened so quickly. But, I don't, yeah, I don't think I had completely grasped exactly how fast all the other dominoes would fall. So last night, I think Woj had a story that, uh, came out pretty late last night about how the owners in the league are basically preparing for a minimum three-month shutdown, which would be a mid-June yeah. resumption, which I assume would just mean straight playoffs, then you go through the NBA Finals in August. Just, like, from you guys' vantage point in the last week, like, are you, like, obviously you're probably not allowed to have much contact with the team, but just kind of what is the vibe around the Thunder and how they're handling and preparing for all of this? Sure. I mean, the Thunder has been much more quiet than a lot of other teams. You had most teams that had played the Jazz recently put out statements about how how they were going to handle the situation. Most of them said, hey, we're, we're going to test everybody. Um, we're going to go into quarantine. And the Thunder really has taken the stance that those are private matters and that they're not going to announce them. So we still haven't seen a press release from the Thunder since all of this went down. Uh, but I mean, you've got players on on TikTok trying to pass the time. Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Darius Baisley are 
are, uh, they've got their dance moves down on there. They even pulled, you know, 70-year-old Chris Paul onto <laughs> one of them. Um, so, I mean, I think it's really just kind of wait and see right now. We really don't know even... It depends on how this virus spreads in the United States, right? So it could be three months. It could be longer before they're really able to start play up. I think that report that you referenced, Woj said that they were preparing for three different scenarios or giving that the owners were expecting financial estimates on three different scenarios, and that would be completely canceling the season. Uh, starting up without fans and starting playoffs with fans. So there's so much unknown at this point. Really the only thing they've officially said is it's going to be at least a month, but now that we know that you're not allowed to have, or the CDC is recommending that you don't have more than 50 people gathered for the next two months, or I guess eight weeks, uh, once you start adding up players and personnel, you get up to 50 pretty quickly. So, uh, Anything in that span obviously would have to be without fans, and that even that seems pretty unlikely since you have to be quarantined for two weeks is what what uh, most of the recommendations are. Since you could potentially not show symptoms and you know still be and still uh, be able to pass along the virus if you for two weeks after contracting it. Uh, so yeah, it's. <laughs> It's also up in the air, and I think that's that's hard for everyone, planning-wise, right? Like, how can you plan for what a postseason would look like if you don't even know if you're going to have one or in what month you're going to have one or any of that? So... Yeah, it's like a it's, a it's a wild time. Yeah, it's like there's a scarcity of information, and so you're like it's impossible to make any like conclusions or plan anything out and it's just kind of wild to see is because in most like instances with things like this like it seems to kind of like play itself out a little quicker in terms of like this is what we're going to do when like and this is when we're going to restart what have you but this in this case it's it's really impossible just from your vantage point as a reporter covering the team like for us on the radio show like it is it is not panic mode but it's going to be difficult cuz as you know people like eat college baseball yeah. up here and that being canceled and all of that so we're really scrambling as to kind of how to approach this i imagine for you guys it's even it's even more crazy just because like like I, I, have you had to cancel like flights and travel arrangements and stuff like what how is how has it changed your job so far i know that's a simplistic question but just like what has the last week been like for you yeah, so that night I turned to my beat partner, Joe Masato, and we split travel evenly, and he was scheduled to go on the next road trip. And that night I turned to him and I said, well, you should probably cancel those flights now. And he did, like, cancel them right off the bat. We obviously are not traveling anywhere um, until, you know, and the NBA season hopefully starts up again. Um, the last few days have been insane just in terms of the amount of information and the amount of content that we can put out because we've had a lot, obviously, with it, with it all being here, but we're just getting it to that point now where, um, excuse me, we're just getting to that point now where we're looking at how do you space out content 
over the next several months. And usually, you know, you have at least sports who have different off-seasons. So during the NBA off-season, if we only write a couple stories in a week, that's fine because another sport will pick up the slack. We obviously don't have that since no other sports that we're covering are going on right now. And so we're, we're all trying to still fill up the sports section while there are no sports going on. And there, I mean, there are obviously some really important stories to be told about the people within all these leagues who are being affected. But, you know, those all take a lot of reporting, and there aren't as many, you know, you don't have game stories and stuff to fill in the in-between. So we'll see how how that plays out. And I think it's it's easy now, but in a couple months, I don't know. The it's interesting. Like the, I feel almost feel bad for Gobert because, like obviously he had that video where he's touching all of the reporters' microphones, and I mean right. at that point he's really just trying. Like I get what he's doing. Like he's just trying to like lighten the mood or whatever, and just kind of mock the hysteria about it. And you know, ironically, he becomes the first one with the virus, or I guess at least the first known one. But that, to me, like, I looked more of that as, like, that's, from everything I've read about him, like, his teammates love him, like, he's a good locker room guy. I imagine he's mostly pretty good with the media, because that usually kind of goes hand in hand. And he just clearly was a guy that didn't fully grasp the severity of the situation. And I guess, like, if you, if this is a huge hypothetical here, but, like, if that had happened to a Thunder player in the Thunder locker room, like, what do you figure just being in an NBA locker room all the time, the reaction would be amongst players? Because it's really just a situation, like, you've never seen. He gets Donovan Mitchell infected. Like, do you think there would be resentment, or is it just kind of one of those things that just happens? Sure. I mean, that's why the reports have been, and, you know, a recent interview given by Donovan Mitchell seem to almost support them that he's not happy. Right. <laughs> uh, a very passive-aggressive Instagram. Right. <laughs> um, but I think all of the all of the Utah writers who I've talked to really have kind of stood up for Rudy Gobert because the way that they read that situation with him touching on the mic was kind of a in solidarity with them because a lot of the precautions at first were presented as protecting the players from us, the media. Well, now we see, the, I mean, the first case that we know of has been a player, not a member of the media. But, um, yeah, so, so I think it was, obviously, in retrospect, he shouldn't have done it. But it was a lighthearted attempt to, like you said, like, calm down the panic around this, but then also to show the media, like, hey, I'm not scared scared of you guys. Like, <laughs> like we're good. Um, in retrospect, yeah, when there's a pandemic going on, don't touch people's stuff. But uh, good that that doesn't seem to have passed uh, the virus along to anyone, any members of the media. And, I mean, we also, he's, been treated like patient zero because he was the first NBA player to test positive. But we also don't know where he got it from. So I think immediately there are all these reports where it's like, hey, he, you know, this kid 
who he signed, he signed an autograph for this kid, and now this kid has it. It's like, well, we don't actually know who had it first or who passed it to who. That's or true. even if they pass, like, there's another possibility that both of them could have gotten it from a third party. Um, so I'm, I don't know if there is a way for medical professionals to find that out, but certainly we the media and we the fans are not uh, qualified to make those, <laughs> those distinctions. Right. Now, that's a really interesting point you made about, like I, I never thought about it from that vantage point of the writer's kind of seeing that as like hey i'm not scared of you guys like type of thing is like a solidarity move i hadn't really thought about it from that way but that makes a ton of sense last thing before i let you go for the thunder like i mean it's a bummer for all nba fans in the entire nba season but the thunder were like one of the better stories in a ridiculously yeah. tough western conference i mean they're five seed two games out of the three like chris paul seems more basketball happy than he's been in a long time they're a incredibly fun team to watch like i mean it obviously won't be the same whenever this ends, hopefully if this ends and we get on with it. But just from a basketball standpoint, like where do you think if they do play again, this ends up? Because you mentioned like that was a potential playoff matchup last night with the 4-5. That could obviously change quickly. But you know, just one last basketball thought amongst all the coronavirus thoughts. What was your kind of thoughts about the Thunder going into the postseason before all of this happened? Yeah, it's definitely a bummer to have what's been such an exciting season probably shortened we'll see it, it would be remarkable if they're able to fit it all into to the summer months but uh i i honestly wasn't confident that they'd get out of the first round i think as as good as they've been and as much as they've been outperforming everyone's expectations of them it, it, things are different in the playoffs. It's different when you see the team several another team several times in a row. And I think you know some of they weren't they just weren't built to win. And that's not a knock on the Thunder front office. That's not, just not what they were trying to do. They were making moves to move into a new phase as they're working towards a rebuild. Right. So this group wasn't built to be like, all right, we're we're gonna make a playoff push, you know, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we patch up these holes here and there. Like, no, none of that was happening. They just all really committed to the plan that Billy Donovan put forward after talking to a bunch of the players and figuring out what the right playing style would be for this group and it's worked really well. I think both because of that that plan and because of the buy-in and it's been really really fun to watch but with that being said I was not that confident and you know a, a first round matchup like Utah would be better than a first round matchup like the Clippers so yeah there's you have to look at that as well but playoffs are a whole different animal and and it it would be it would be a really tough thing for them and I think honestly even just making the playoffs is a win for this group so it seems like you know even even before this break they would have had to have a colossal collapse to not make the playoffs and you know now it would probably have to be even more colossal <laughs> right maddie i really appreciate your time uh stay safe i uh continue okay. to cover this story the way you've been i've really enjoyed reading it 
And uh, hopefully, hopefully we get NBA again sooner than later and return to some sense of normalcy. But I really appreciate your time and uh, hopefully talk again soon. Of course. I love coming on every time. Take care. More. And that was Maddie Lee. As always, I appreciate her time. She's always really gracious with her time. She's come on the pod a couple of times now. Um, she will be on the radio show this afternoon. She's basically going through the Super Talk car wash. Uh, when I asked her about her show segment, she said for the radio show this afternoon, I was like, look, we owe you one on this. And she was like, no, everyone's struggling for content. I'm happy to help out, which I think is the right attitude to have. So really appreciate her time. I thought that was a fascinating interview. Uh, really for me, like I learned a lot, but I think the main thing that I learned in that interview or the thing I was most struck by was her take on like how the Utah media viewed the go bear thing versus how national people did. Um, I found that to be really fascinating, but I kind of had a hunch it was that way from everything I had read about Gobert previously. Um, Before we get to NFL free agency, we do, I guess, have some final housekeeping notes with regards to the Corona deal. Woj comes out with a story last night uh, about how the NBA is bracing for three different scenarios, but they're bracing for a mid-June return. And it's basically three scenarios to where it's returned to the season without fans, which I imagine would be a little sooner than June, return directly to the playoffs with fans or just cancel the season as a whole. I guess playoffs without fans would be on the table as well. I just didn't read that clearly. But, uh, man, I mean, you had the CDC last night doing uh, announcing the 50-person gathering, like recommending against it for eight weeks. This is uh, going to be longer than we even thought, and I'm not saying anything groundbreaking at this point, but, like, like, I don't see baseball starting in May. I don't see anything starting in May. Hopefully I'm wrong, but this is going to be a three-, four-month deal, is it not? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. I still maintain that even with the CDC's recommendation that the NBA is going to be the first league that comes back, and I expect – or Oh, my okay. money's on NHL. You th- oh, you oh, that's a good one. I see. I didn't even. That They're didn't one in the same, mind. but I just think the NHL is going to be a little more aggressive because they that just seems to be a little, like kind of their thing. Like it's a hockey guy guys. Thing. Yeah, screw those diva basketball players. Um, but I think they are preparing for this, and based on things that I've read and stuff and podcasts that I've listened to, and people in the know, like talking between the lines, the teams are prepared for this. Like, they are going to take a a little break and then bring guys back, and they're going to get ready to play a season, and they'll do it first behind empty arenas because all the stakeholders involved here want to play the entire season. So if eight weeks is what it takes, then in eight weeks they're going to come back and and they're going to play. There is – there's a clause in the CBA that, like, the NBA has to cancel their season or something by – the second week of May, and they don't want to do that, apparently. So I expect they're going to play. Oh, I like, think it sounds like, based that. on that Woj story, like they're prepared for this. Like it, To the point where they'd even play games in teams' practice facilities, which how awesome and bizarre would the TV viewing experience be? If that's the case, I would like to uh, add an uh, addendum to that. They should keep the extra basketball goals that they have rolled up on the side and let there be eight hoops. You can only shoot in two of them, <laughs> but just from a viewing experience, just let all the extra hoops you see in practice facilities just remain there to try to you know throw a little smoke screen at the viewer. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of fascinating. So we got that going on. Uh, I think I just got an ESPN notification on my phone about baseball preparing for maybe like a July thing. I mean, this this is going to take a while. 
you know that I'm not here to depress you any further, but that was just some housekeeping stuff that I saw uh, from Woj last night, just with regards to, you know, when this may come back to normal. Aside from that, the thing that is kind of keeping us all sane, I think, unless you're into like, I don't know, Turkish basketball or lower league European soccer is the NBA and the NFL free agency period has started and it began yesterday. I will try to hit all the high points. So like, I'm just going to name a signing and then just give me like a couple bullet, not bullet points, but just a couple of quick initial thoughts. Uh, what Ryan Tannehill signed for, let's see, a boatload of cash. <laughs> I didn't think oh. it was that bad though. It's very backloaded. It's a four year, $118 million deal. But for most of it, is he not? He's making around seventeen to nineteen million a year with the quarterback market, sixty-two million uh, in fully guaranteed money and ninety-one million in total guaranteed money. So that's uh, four. What's that? That's between seventeen and twenty a year. And with the way he played down the stretch, I thought it was twenty-nine a year. Hold on, four-year contract worth one hundred eighteen million. One eighteen. I think it's really backloaded though. 18 divided by four is 29 and a half. Hold on. I'm going to get this right. I should have had this pulled up beforehand. Uh, anyway, what are your thoughts on this? Just them. I mean, this is what you do, right? Your guy comes in and makes the most of his opportunity, gets you to an AFC championship game where every single franchise in the AFC or NFC, obviously as well would kill to get to this to me is kind of what happens. Like the, like to me, there wasn't any other options other than you know the Tom Brady deal. But like to me, this was just kind of what was going to happen. I think they like what they see in Ryan Tannehill. Like the playoff version of Ryan Tannehill, because of what Derrick Henry did, was not what he was in the regular season, as I pointed out multiple times. But because people don't watch Titans games, uh, that is, uh, you know, that pe- like I think that's a bit of a misconception nationally. So, just initial thoughts on this. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to say two very contradictory things. Um, if that number is right, I thought that's what it was, 29 and a half. I think that is a, a, a pretty big overpayment for somebody that wasn't going to get that in a free agent market. I don't think you had to pay him $30 million to play quarterback for you. But, like you said, that team was dead in the water when Marcus Mariota was benched. It is 29 favor million a year by the way. I don't I don't know what I got, where I saw. I don't know. Maybe I'm just stupid. I thought I saw something else. Anyway, go ahead. Um yeah, it, that seems like an overpayment. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He again, that team was dead in the water. He took over and that offense opened up. He threw the ball around a lot. I mean, like you said, it bears repeating that team was not Derrick Henry and nobody else to get to the playoffs. They, they used that strategy in the playoffs because that's what worked for them. Ball control, physical, play defense, win games. They didn't ask Ryan Tannehill to win those two playoff games. I, I have a feeling he could have if he was asked. They just they, they didn't ask him to. They didn't need him to do anything extraordinary. But during the season, he showed that he was good enough and capable of running that offense and it being a playoff team and a, a contender. But 29.5 seems just so expensive for Ryan Tannehill when you didn't have to pay him that much. So those are two contradictory things. It's an overpayment, but also I understand why they wanted him over Brady because he showed you last year that he's good enough and he's not 50 years old. Uh, I mean, as good as uh, of a story as Brady to Tennessee would have been, 
I would have enjoyed the hell out of it. I think that they're going to be contenders this year regardless. Um, but his presence there would have, like, Vegas odds would have had them, like, third in the NFL or fourth in the NFL to win the Super Bowl. That storyline was intriguing as hell. But that doesn't mean it would have been the right call for the Titans. Would have been the right call for Brady. Would have been a no-brainer for Brady if he would have gotten the offer. Makes sense that Tennessee went the Tannehill direction, but to talk out of the other side of my mouth, it seems like an overpayment. So it's a $22 million base cap hit for next year, okay, according so to Spurtrack. Yeah, backloaded, and then I think with obviously 62 guaranteed, fully guaranteed. So, like, that's I guess that's so the, the number is 118, but only 62 is guaranteed. That's fine. That is correct. So, like, that's, I guess, where the difference was. Because, obviously, NFL, that's the big thing. There's not a ton of fully guaranteed money, so get it when you can. So, 118 in total, $29 million a year. But that $29 million a year is if he stays healthy and everything is, you know, going. Like, if he, see, if he, if he plays out the duration of the contract. So, obviously, he can be cut. All of that's not fully guaranteed. So, it's a $22.5 million cap hit next year, which sounds way more reasonable than 29 which is, I guess, kind of where I was uh, – getting lost in the shuffle there so you have that so yeah to me you you got to do what you got to do that still leaves room to me like it's a four-year deal 62 guaranteed as i mentioned if he stinks two and a half years in draft a quarterback cut bait with him it doesn't completely cripple you uh the big one i guess with the mississippi ties so far is that prescott had the franchise tag placed on him and oh buddy does he regret turning down that 30 million dollar deal now You cut out there. I'm so sorry. It maybe uh, hopefully no, no, it was just on my end. I couldn't hear I like just, the last three things you said. No, the I was just saying Dak Prescott. Uh, oh my gosh! Yes. What, oh, what is you have doing? to regret not not signing the thirty million dollar a year deal that they offered him. I believe that was in August. It was thirty three. They offered him a thirty three million dollar deal reportedly a couple weeks ago, which would be at least over four years, I would imagine. Yeah, hundred and five guaranteed, thirty three million. They, they turned it down. Now he's getting tagged. I, I mean that. I appreciate the gamble on yourself, but whoa, that ended up being a mistake. Man, you just have to. I, I just don't. I, they know more about that stuff than me. I got it. But like, you have to be able to look around and have some self awareness and realize, hey, thirty million dollars for the production I'm putting out is probably pretty good, uh, given the team around me. That's Aaron Rodgers' money. Yep. That he wanted forty, and he's not getting forty, which we kind of said early on. He's a good quarterback; you can win a Super Bowl with him. But man, like you can't, you can't ask for Aaron Rodgers' money and play like you know Ryan Tannehill level. And now Amari Cooper is, um, in free agency, right? And he has pretty it, that upped his leverage a decent bit as well it, with Dallas. But what if Dallas doesn't get him? Yeah, I mean, he goes somewhere else, obviously, and that 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 really you talk about a, a, a ripple effect there. That really kind of cripples. I mean, the, talk about a game changer for Dak in the last eighteen months was the Amari Cooper's eighteen football months, like you know, season and a half football wise was uh, the Amari Cooper signing. Like his numbers when he plays versus when uh, Cooper doesn't are pretty staggering. Like, I mean, there's no free agent receiver out there. AJ Green got tagged. Uh, so he's not available. Uh, the Falcons locked up everybody they needed to. The, the Saints uh, it locked up Michael Thomas. He didn't get to enter free agency. There's nobody of Amari Cooper's caliber that is out there that you could sign. So then you have to go get somebody in the draft. But since 
Uh, I mean, th- this is a really good receiver class, so maybe they'll get somebody. But as you know, re- I mean, there's not a single player in the draft that is a surefire guarantee that guy's going to be a success pick. So, I mean, Dallas might be bungling this entire thing, but, th- man, it's a mistake on Dak's part. And if you lose Amari Cooper, I don't know what Dallas does from here. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting if you keep Dak and you lose Amari Cooper because you're going to have to surround him with you know some kind of supplementary weapons. But I just and don't your know best where that comes from. Is trouble. He's yeah. a running back, which is as everybody knows at this point, not valuable anymore. And the dude's a headache. Elsewhere, Kirk Cousins signs a two-year extension that basically cleared up $10 in cap space for Minnesota without knowing all the nerd math numbers. That's kind of like, hey, this contract sucks. Please, God, give us some flexibility is what that seems like. (laughs) Oh, I hate Kirk Cousins. God, we talk about a a cold take exposed. Before that playoff game in New Orleans, I was ripping on Kirk Cousins. Then he goes and shines in the Superdome and beats the Saints. Ugh. Kirk Cousins guaranteed salary for 2022, fully guaranteed injury notwithstanding, like 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 all 100% guaranteed is $35 million in 2022. See, even with that playoff win, he's not worth anything close to that. I, what is it with NFL teams and panic-paying quarterbacks? Because there's so many bad ones that you, you overpay good- average. No, but I mean, you overpay average when the alternative is bad. Because if you don't have one, you've seen over and over again, you have no chance. And so when you have enough ones that wins you games, like I guess you just overpay for average. Well, uh, good on them, I guess. The Browns, this just came across my news feed. The Browns are signing Austin Hooper. Other teams will have a chance to swoop in late and get him, but this would make him the highest paid tight end in football. Baker Mayfield does not have a lack of weapons, that is for sure. Yeah, I mean, we'll... We'll see if they finally get it right on the coaching side. Um, I, I think that's still a roster that's kind of filled with guys with personalities that don't mesh into a good football team, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Kevin Stefanski, a former Vikings. He worked with Kirk, man, going to work. Kirk Cousins to Baker Mayfield. I don't know how I'd feel about that. <laughs> um, you would think Baker's a little bit more talented at least, though, right? I think, but like I don't really feel talent, great saying maybe? that at this point. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Interesting. Um, Any other big ones we missed? Obviously, the Brady sweepstakes are out there. Jason LaConforna, I think is how you say that. A CBS writer says Tampa Bay's interest in Brady is real. I just, you would, you would have, there's no way you could convince me, even if he actually signed the dotted line, that I would ever actually just believe Brady is going to play for the Tampa Bay Bucks in that pirate ship stadium and all. Like, yeah, that just doesn't. Maybe add he up. does. I just you're, that's going to have to be one of those where he's going to have to run out on the field in that whatever pewter uniform is that what they call it? Uh, whatever, like that 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 would be just so hard to see him believe if he does it at this point with the Titans out. If it's not New England, which kind of looks like New England now, maybe Chargers. But what a weird place that's been left in because the only option that really made a ton of sense for for. Uh, Tom Brady going elsewhere were the Titans and then the one that everyone kind of wanted to will into existence the Cowboys just placed the franchise tag on Dak Prescott but then the last really report we had was Tom Brady's bracing to leave New England like wh- where did I, where is that going to stand like wh- where does that end up him going back and this all just being a bunch of baloney and then they win the Super Bowl in 2020 or 2021 Maybe. whatever he it kind of feels like he learned 
like wanted to leave New England, had his mind set on going somewhere else, and then found out the hard way that there's not a great market for him. Because I saw a report that said that the San Francisco Jimmy G Brady trade basically was was a real idea that they considered, but San Francisco decided to stick with Garoppolo, which makes sense. Then Tennessee sticks with Tannehill, and now suddenly his options keep shrinking and shrinking, and now he's like got to turn around and look back home in New England. But I, Tampa's not a market that I expect to see Brady in. I'm with you; it just doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't fit. But if you want to talk about winning right now, I know Tampa's in a more difficult division. However, the Panthers are going through a rebuild. The Falcons are still going to suck defensively. Um, and Tampa has a roster and an offense that. Is better than the one in New England. AFC West. Like, if you're talking between, if he's going elsewhere and you talk between Tampa and LA, I would rather play in Tampa just from a football perspective. I think. Yeah. Well, LA's the bigger market. Although, like, I saw somebody on. But why do you want to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year? Right. And I saw somebody suggest that Brady is. Part of his decision making will be to expand his brand. And I keep thinking, dude. He could not get bigger. He's won six Super Bowls. He's the greatest quarterback to ever live. What are you talking about? Expand his brand. He is the most well-known figure in sports. What are you talking about? Like, I don't think that means anything to him. It can't. He's, you can't get it stronger. No, to me, it would just be quality of living and comfort. In Florida versus L.A., it seems to be two pretty solid options. Yeah, I mean, the the stadium and weirdness aside... Uh, with all of their money, Tampa would be sweet to live. I mean, come on now. Oh, it would be awesome. That would be incredible. And then you work with Bruce Arians, good proven coach, has a track record with veteran quarterbacks. I guess it would make sense. But uh, Good I wide guess. receivers. I mean, a defense that should be okay. It, man, without Jameis' 30-30, and 30, that's a playoff team last year. If he goes 30-15, and 15, they make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm just not, like I said – until he's out of New England and I see him in another uniform, it's going to be hard to believe he's going elsewhere. I think that was all the highlights in terms, like the Falcons. Well, here, I mean, it's not a highlight, but uh, to, to keep it hyper-local, um, Teddy Bridgewater may return to New Orleans. Uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN said both sides have remained in talks about a return. Bridgewater figures to have a strong market, but is keeping his options open, uh, in, including with his current team that values him. So that confirms what I've been saying for months is that the Saints don't believe that Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback because if you thought that Taysom Hill was your future and a franchise quarterback you don't open up talks with Teddy Bridgewater it's just it's a non-starter you don't have three quarterbacks on your roster that you have to pay so they put that first round tender on Taysom Hill nobody's going to offer a first round pick for Taysom Hill he'll test his market nobody will give him money the Saints will give him what eight nine million a year to be that hybrid and give Bridgewater backup money and still have him to potentially be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. The fact that these conversations are still happening and he might come back tells me that they don't believe Taysom Hill's a franchise quarterback, and they're telling Bridgewater, if you return and Brees retires, it's your football team. Well, that was the other part of it I was going to get to there, is it's probably meaning Brees has a year left. Yeah, you I don't mean, bring Bridgewater back unless— Because he wants to unless... be a starter. Bridgewater wants to be a starter, obviously— 
like he's had a hell of a long road back to kind of being a, a viable quarterback in the NFL. He wouldn't sign there to sit for two years, I wouldn't think. But if you're like, hey, one more year and then you're it as, a tra- as we transition as a franchise, that would be the selling point I would buy into if I were in his shoes, as opposed to, eh, Breeze might come back at 42, 43, whatever he is. That would tell me that most of them believe Breeze has a year left. Yeah, like, this and, is it. Because it got close this year. aren't as strong now because Brady's not, you know— uh, well, if, I mean, if Brady goes to Tampa, maybe New England will offer him, but it doesn't sound like Chicago's in the market. doesn't sound like Indianapolis is really in the market. Uh, mock drafts show L.A. taking Justin Herbert. Uh, it seems like the well for uh, free agent quarterbacks has kind of dried up a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I certainly I certainly agree with that. Well, it's oversaturated. The market's oversaturated. Like, the poor guy, he's finally getting his chances. Because like, normally, there's only one or two of these available. Like, when Kirk Cousins comes available and he signs in Minnesota. Or, I'm even trying to think of another recent example. I'm sure there's one out there that's just escaping me to where a veteran quarterback signs to be the starter. They're usually, like, there's usually more, uh, there's less, like, uh, there's less of a supply of them than there is for the demand. But you're catching this weird year where all these veteran quarterbacks are possibly moving on from the franchises they played with for a long time. Phil Rivers, Tom Brady, what do you do with Jameis Winston? Like that type of thing. Marcus Mariota, there's an opening. Ryan Tannehill, all of those things. Like it's an oversaturation, and there's only so many spots available, plus the draft. Like usually there's one, maybe two of these guys a year, and it's usually like Bridgewater would be kind of the Kirk Cousins of two years ago. And you just go with it from there. But you've got all these veteran Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks that are probably going, or at least in Rivers' case, going to play on a new team. And it just kind of oversaturates the market. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out over the next 24, 48 hours. But free agency officially starts Wednesday. Um, and this is the period where they can kind of get stuff done. It's kind of like an NBA free agency where the deals happen before you can actually sign them. But anyway, we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure we'll have more on that Wednesday show. That's really about all we've got for today. I uh, we have some. I have thought of some ideas over the weekend how to like pass the time. Uh, I thought some of them. And we're just workshopping this in live time here on recorded air. Uh, maybe watching like an old game or something and figuring out like what we remember and don't remember with that. I know the Ringer does rewatchables with movies. I don't see why you couldn't do that with sporting events. Man, um, I was thinking about um, like a homework assignment, basically. So today on the show, or or any day, but. Just for the sake of example, today we tell our listeners to go to Netflix and we will find, like, I'll find a sports movie that nobody's ever heard of, right? Like a low-budget sports movie. We all watch it that night, come back, and review it the next day. I like that idea. I like that. If there's, like, games or something anyone out there listening wants to rewatch or whatever is like, a homework assignment for this pod, please send me ideas. Like, this is very much, like, we are very much open to ideas to how to pass the time over the next four months. But, like, that would be an interesting idea if we could get a decent base of the listenership of this show to, like, sit down and watch, like, some old game, some, like, or even it's just, like, a second half or some wild finish, and then we talk about it. That would be interesting. So, I don't know. We've got some different ideas in the chamber. If you have some, please reach out to me. I am open to anything. If you have interesting guests you want to hear from, seriously, just holler at me. I, uh, you know how to get in contact with me, email, Twitter, whatever. Um, I'm certainly open to that. So uh, unless we, uh, I think that's about all we got for today. We'll be back at it Wednesday, I'm sure, with something else creative. But like I said, if you got an idea, holler at me. But uh, remind you one more time, if you're in Oxford, 
go see Greg, University Avenue, LB's across from Kroger. Uh, they need you now more than ever in this time, as do many local businesses. But if you're if you're wanting to self-quarantine, throw some meat on the grill, hang out in your backyard, and just stay home, Greg is the absolute best place to do it. They've got steaks, custom-cut sausages. Uh, he's got all kinds of bacon-wrapped fillets. I, pretty much anything you want to throw in the grill, Greg's got it for you. They had some red snapper I saw the other day. Uh, it's the best place in Mississippi to get meat. We're thinking about Greg. Appreciate him sponsoring the show, and hopefully things will return back to normal sooner than later. But unless you got anything else, Borky, I'll holler at you this afternoon. That's it, man. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. If you like what you heard today, rate and review the podcast. Give us five stars. Leave whatever comment you want in the comment section. And again, one more time, if you have feedback, ideas, whatever, just holler at me. We will make this show whatever you guys want it to be. But Borky and I will be back at it on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.